Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of the F1 Show for coverage of the 2009 Belgian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and thankfully we are back face-to-face. No more remote phone call Skype trickery uh, No more trains passing by. Yes, that uh, that happened, and that is now in the past. But, uh, yeah, so we had... Uh, you know, before the last podcast, we had a whole month off of, of no Formula One, and uh, then just a week ago, we finished the European Grand Prix, and we're now actually we're back at it. Yeah, we're recording it's a couple days late, unfortunately, but uh, here we are to, for coverage of the Belgian Grand Prix, just a week later. We do uh, apologize for that, but alas, our schedules just didn't quite line up uh, Sunday or Monday, so here we are. But uh, yeah, uh, remarkably active week, though, I would say. Yes. Um, I don't know where to start. Uh, there's the big stuff, and there's the crazy stuff, and then there's the Toyota thing. Well, okay. Well, let's let's go with with rumors and whatnot okay. um, for what's going on. Um, obviously, uh, Luca Badur did a drive in the um, in in Europe. He he finished the race. We'll give him that. And he's finished the race both times. Right. And, uh, but still, I mean, so, so, so slow. So, anyway, uh, there's some, a lot of rumors about Fisichella, uh, you know, has, who's always, he's Italian, always wanted to be in a Ferrari. Um, he has come out and said, I don't care what I'm doing, what team I'm driving for. If Ferrari ever gives me the call, I am there. I am out, and I'm going to go drive for Ferrari, and it's his lifelong dream and goal and love and passion. Um, and so there's actually a lot of rumors uh, going around. I'm not sure really where these came from because neither Ferrari no, nor Force that, India. That's nor kind of the crazy Fisichella. thing. They seem to kind of just kind of pop out of thin air. Like it was just in the press room all of a sudden at, at the track. Hey, Fisichella might replace Badur in Monza. Now, um, I did technically give away the race result that Badur did finish the race, um, which we haven't technically covered yet. So I do apologize for that. But um, – he has, you know, the first race, and I, I kind of felt bad for the guy. I mean, he's been out of the race seat for 10 years. He's 38. He's, you know, he's he hasn't been in the car much at all this year because of the testing ban. He had quite a very big, uh, um, a very big uh, task in front of him. And I think to judge him so harshly after one race was a bit tough. Right. I don't. Part of what people are judging is not Badur's skill and talent, but Ferrari's choice in choosing him as their replacement driver when they've got the talent of Marc Genet or some of these, some of these other... Yeah, and it's interesting to see. Know. I don't know. I mean, Marc Genet, would he be more competitive or not? I don't know what's limiting. Well, he's been in a race seat, not a Formula 1 race seat, but, you know, yeah. race seats just a couple weeks ago in Le Mans, he's been doing more active racing, and he's younger, and he's Spanish, which would have been sweet at the European Grand Prix sure. in Spain. And he's not. And he you seems know. to be more or less out of the question, though. That's the interesting thing. I mean, the one name that hasn't come up is is Mark Genet. Yeah. So I, I don't know why that is, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the Luca Badur thing. Yeah, maybe it wasn't the best decision on Ferrari's part, but I think if he had more time, Luca, he could probably start getting up to speed. Is he going to be as fast as? Uh, it, Kimi Raikkonen is, he probably won't ever be as quick as he as, as Raikkonen would be this season. But would he eventually be able to catch up and get quicker and get a little more solid? Yeah, I think so. But uh, be that as it may, Ferrari is Ferrari, and to have uh, one car do well and another car not is 
bit unfortunate, and I don't think they want that to keep happening for the yeah, rest well, of the Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, I don't know if you say the good news, but, the, you know, the whole reason it's they've gone with Badur instead of, you know, maybe poaching someone from another another active race driver uh, or something like that is they're, they're, you know, nowhere near in the running for the Constructors' Championship anyway. I mean, they're, you know, they're still collecting as many points as they can, and they want to finish well, but it's not like they're, you know, going to win or lose the Drivers' Championship based on, or the Constructors' Championship based on Badur's performance. Right. But, um, I mean, so, you know, I guess he had... You know, the European, the street circuit of Valencia um, was, his, was his first one. He had, you know, Spa, which is just, you know, I, I think a sort of quintessential driver's track. And, some, you know, something pe- people just really want to uh, really want to do well at. Uh, a lot of times there's mixed conditions with rain and heat and everything, and it's tricky. Um, Singapore, which is night under the lights with, you know, all the bumps and all that stuff. Uh, Japan, which is commonly wet and dry and so on. Brazil, which is not going to be a friendly crowd to him because, you know, Massa is Brazilian and, and everyone in Brazil would absolutely love to see Massa back in the car. Well, I, but and I then, hope they're and not then mad Abu at Badur. I mean, Massa is uh, definitely Right. I mean, still. not that they're going to be mad at him, but just, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be um, the same. Not going to be the, the same kind of vibe yeah. and the same feel that, that they'd like. And then Abu Dhabi being a brand new circuit that no one's been at, but been to before. It's not, I guess I don't see Badur getting that much better, and with it, all the signs point to Massa being back for the start of the 2010 season, um, I really don't think they're going to get anywhere with this guy, so they might as well, I don't know, do something interesting <laughs> and uh, get some, some new talent in there, or I, I guess I just I feel like it's kind of a waste. Uh, well, anyway, I've heard, uh, I've heard rumors that uh, Fisichella is a possibility. I've heard rumors that Robert Kubica is a possibility. Yep. Um, I've heard rumors that uh, they're going to uh, bring Alberto Ascari back from the dead, put him in the car. That'd be cool. Um, I've heard lots of stuff. Yeah. Pretty much anything but Mark Renee, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. That poor guy. What did he do? Why do you even have this guy as a test driver if... When you need another driver, you don't call him. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's definitely bizarre. I mean, the... It, it, and it is unique. Badur is unique in the sense that, you know, I'm Iago Suari came in with, you know, no, virtually no testing experience. Same thing with, uh, uh, I'm going to say his name, Mark, Maxim Ro- Romain Grosjean. Romain Grosjean. Sorry. I knew it was something Maxim, like that. Maxim, what? There is an M in there. Romain Grosjean. Anyway, neither of them had any uh, real time in the F1 car. However, they were both actively racing in the sub-series, in the, uh, in the other series, uh, uh, I'm in the, I believe, Renault uh, World Series. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, Romain was doing GP2. So, uh, you know, they they ha- they were actively racing. Luca, I don't think, had been running in a race car since January. He's, his driver's license expired like six years ago. He <laughs> I mean, doesn't, like, he's, he's, <laughs> just, he's got his, like, electric wheelchair, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I have seen him putzing around in a Segway. Yes. So, okay, Ferrari rumors and whatnot, we'll, of course, keep you on, to- uh, on top of what's going on at Monza and beyond, but I, I don't think, personally, that they're going to actually make any more changes between now and then. I feel like if they wanted to get Padua out of the car, they, they could have already, and they have some options. So uh, Monza is obviously going to be a big race for them. Um, Luca Badur is Italian, so yeah. that'll be exciting for the Italian fans, maybe. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and say that someone else will be in the car for the Italian group. All right. Well, there's our, so, so there's there our prediction for that. You split down the middle. Right. But now, what, okay. what about the craziness with Renault? Okay, what about it? Will you tell me. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know where to begin, really. But I guess the, the heart and soul of this, and now this technically happened after the race, but... 
Yeah. It happened before we're podcasting, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, Renault is now being investigated by the FIA for having Nelson Piquet Jr. intentionally crash at the Singapore Grand Prix last year. Yes, and this is a, a British TV station, Globo, uh, or British Brazilian TV station, um, has, has come out and they say they have evidence that proves this. Um, and, and of course, that kind of points to Nelson Piquet being British. Uh, what is I, I? You know, there's two different countries. It Britain is. They do Brazil, both start with a B, and they start with Bs, and it, it's it's really hard for my brain to work that way. Yes. Okay, you know, being a Brazilian driver, it's possible as, as just kind of a you know revenge or or just kind of backlash from see the being funny out thing the is I always seat. thought he was Botswanian. You know. That's that's real creative. That's great. <laughs> it starts um, with a B. It took you that long to come up with another B country, didn't it? <laughs> well, you were talking. I yeah. didn't want to remember. And uh, so if this is, is this just Nelson Piquet Jr. coming at, trying to just, you know, bring up more political nonsense and, and get, um, you know. That's get, not even a country. Get Flavio Briatore back in the news for being, you know, slimy or whatever. Um, it's, you know, it, it's interesting because so far – because it's kind of all happening at once. Yeah. The, the it's FI- like just one flow of things. Yeah. It, but it's just so – Full of nonsense. Well, the FIA has said we are investigating some alleged incident that happened at some round of the World Championship. So they haven't even admitted that they're investigating this exact crash. And I think pretty people in the media have pretty well worked out what they're talking about. But I suppose it also could be that we're all kind of all on the wrong track on that, too. True. Um, Nelson Piquet has not made any official statements. And I don't know if he's maybe... Uh, sort of slip this information to a buddy of his to leak out to the media. So, well, he can sort of just, oh, oh, there's race fixing. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Well, and I mean, that's it, the interesting it, thing is that they're talking about Renault. If this proves to be true, that Renault could be kicked out of Formula One. Right. I mean, they're, they're talking about the, the repercussions could be quite serious. Yes, which, I mean, would uh, would Nelson Piquet really want to go down that route? I mean, I can understand being mad at your old boss, but... Really, you know, yeah. trying to get them kicked out of the Formula One World Championship—that's that's that's pretty serious. But leave it to Formula One to be the race series to add three new teams to the championship and have less cars show up at the next round. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting, part of why we're talking about this, is whether this has any basis in fact or not. The story has already happened. You know, the the, the narrative people are talking about with F one has already shifted back from. The kind of oh, will Schumacher come back and wow look at you know the competitive everything racing, is great the race you know yeah all the the actual on track action it's back to the political nonsense and stuff back and in forth. the courts going to the World Council all this kind of yeah, stuff yeah which is it's just it's not what we like to see so we just yeah. we, we want to talk about that a little bit but again until we know anything or anyone involved actually makes any statements it's really all just kind of speculation and uh, he said this and she said that so yeah. There's not a whole lot really to to say there, but so let's. But well, hold on. But but you were saying um, now. Do you think? Um, I mean, we obviously don't have any basis in fact either. But that doesn't mean we can't speculate on it, right? Yeah, let's speculate. Um, what do you think? Do they do I it? Is, think, it, is it rigged? I think that if Renault really wanted Piquet to crash, all they would have had to tell Piquet is to say, "Go a little faster. You're not pushing quite hard enough." And he would have crashed. Uh, bam, into the wall. Because he's crashed. He crashed so many times in 2008. So, and every other time he crashed did not lead to an Alonso victory. So, if that was a strategy, it seems like an extremely daring and extremely risky strategy to take. So, 
I have a hard does. time believing I mean, it based on that. It's in, it, it's it's interesting, like you said. There's been a lot of times BK has crashed, although you know not as many times on street circuits, which of course is where it makes the most difference. Because if you spin off into the tire barrier and you're putting off off the track, there might be a local yellow, but there might not even be that. So it's really not going to affect things. I guess the question really is. Did they? Because because it was right after Alonso took a pit stop, so bringing the safety car in then means he's uh, you know everyone else has to go in and pit, and he just did that, so he's in great shape. He can go to the front of the grid, and uh, obviously worked in his favor. Um, it's I, certainly possible, but it just it's I it seems like okay, Piquet would be the one person that I would imagine that would crash wrong and screw it up. Yeah, now, <laughs> we we've actually had some debate on how bad of a how bad of a driver is Piquet really and if he got a bum deal at Renault and that's you know and that is a possibility that Jim and I have kind of left on the table saying yeah okay that is possible but at the same time if that is true uh, well here's the other thing without even trying to make that point as a driver why would you do that why would you say yes to crashing the car intentionally? I have a really hard time believing that, especially someone like Piquet who's trying to prove himself against Alonso and prove that he's not a hack. Why would you intentionally add another crashed-out retirement to your tally, to your record book? If I mean, I guess if, you're, um, if your manager is also your boss at the team... And he says, oh, you know, Nelson, this is best for you to do is crash and wall and... <laughs> Why does why does Flavio Briatore sound like Dracula? All that's of a good. Sudden? That's a good question. Actually, <laughs> you know that does not. That's not going to help his innocence in this whole. It's thing. really not. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know because I mean, we don't we don't know the, the relationship between Nelson Piquet. Uh, you must crash the car. Ah ah ah. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, we don't know the deal. I mean, that's it, it's ridiculous. It's I guess plausible, but who knows? Yeah, we're gonna give it a MythBusters plausible on that one. Uh, finally, uh, an actual rumor that makes more sense to me is Toyota is threatening the race team to either win a race this year or expect to not come back in 2010. Yeah. Which is too bad, as you know. I've been sort of of a Toyota fan, um, just based on their road cars and my old Celica Alltrack Turbo and whatnot. Yes, I remember that car well. Yes, um, and and my multitude of Corollas and and, and all that. But um, but you got to. I mean, they've spent so much money, and I think it's been since '01 or '02. They've been now close. They've been in, yeah, that they've been. They in started racing. building a team in 2000, and started racing in '01. Yeah, and, which is. You know, looking at the calendar, that's a long time ago. And they gave themselves five years to win the championship. That was a few years ago. That has come and gone, and they've not won a race, let alone. I mean, they've come second, I think, once or twice. Uh, you know, yep. they've, they've had pole position, I think, again, maybe twice, and just never been able to make it work. Yep. And uh, it's, Both times they did pole position, they ran light on purpose and things like that, too. Yeah. I mean, it was not a genuine, this is the fastest car pole. It was right. a little bit of a... Although pole. Timo Glock has also had some pretty amazing runs from low down in the field or even pit lane and gotten the fuel strategy right the other way, going heavy and going long oh, and sure. making it work and get some valuable points. So it's, you know, they, they're, I guess like, I guess I call them solidly mid-pack, but yeah. no better. And, and But that's, that's part of the problem is that this season especially has been so incredibly tight that, you know, if they were, if they were this far off the leaders two years ago, they'd be in second or third place. Yeah. They would be BMW Sauber. Yeah. But everyone – I mean, the the field is so tight this year that there is no lead team right now. Yeah. I mean, the first – Like, who knows who's going to be on pole position? Right. The first <laughs> – <laughs> 
But I mean, honestly, the first few races, Braun absolutely owned it. Yeah, and out then, of nowhere, you know. And then yeah. Red Bull came out in a fury, and they seemed like the dominant car. And then all of a sudden, McLaren was back. Yep. And then the Ferrari started getting better. And the Renaults looked good. And the for Renaults a while looked good. Yeah. And Nico was getting stronger and stronger. It's just been all over the place. Yep. And the and the gaps. It's not like the other people are slowing way down again. The gaps are just getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the qualifying here in a second, which is even more ridiculous. But it, I think it's tough. And in a way, it's a shame because it's great racing, and Toyota's a part of that. But at this exact same time, Toyota being the size of company they are, I, I can understand their for us, you know, their frustration. <coughs> excuse me, their frustration with um, with the results. Now, I think Toyota's, you know, they've made some mistakes. They haven't had a strong leader managing the team. They haven't shelled out the cash for really top-notch drivers. Nothing against Yarno Trulli and Timo Glock, but Toyota could have gotten a superstar in the car. And I feel like they're also solidly mid-pack. They put in good drive sometimes and subpar sometimes, but they've never really just done anything amazing. Exactly. Well, Timo Glock did have a really amazing crash in Melbourne, but that's, True. that's not really what we're going not for. Not exactly what we're going for. Yeah. Toyota might have told him to do that. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but oh, I wonder if we could start a rumor like that and just get, get you know, some big traction on it. I did actually hear from a guy that Toyota did ask Timo Glock to tell Piquet to crash. Because did you know the guy that works as a landscaper at Albert Park? He, he, he He's the guy he's behind the He's the brother the of the guy at yeah. Toyota, uh-huh. and so that was yep. actually a bit yep. for business yep. for them. Yep. Yeah. Put yep. that on their Twitter sphere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, we, we hope that it's not true. I think I can say that for the both of us. Um, but if we'd understand if Toyota did make that decision. Uh, and they could win a race. I mean, anything goes this year for sure. That's so. true. Speaking of anything goes, how about this qualifying? Well, I I was really, truly on the edge of my seat uh, for qualifying this time around to watch. Nice choice of words on the segue. Truly on the edge of your seat. That's that's nice. Yes. I was going to say truly on the edge of my physicella, but it didn't quite sound quite as good. But, right. okay, so let's just get into it. Uh, on pole position... Our Giancarlo Fisichella in the Force India, not in the, in the Force Ferrari, India, in the Force car. India, yeah, unbelievable. It was it was pretty cool watching the qualifying, and actually, uh, I saw some some conversation on this on the on the Twitter feed about uh, whether or not qualifying is really the best part of the weekend. Uh, is is kind of the build up, and there's lots of cars, and they kind of you know filter through everything as opposed to the race, which in some cases is more of a parade than a race, but um, not the case this weekend. But uh, but well, so I'm, be it. I mean, the the qualifying is a genuine. Test of the car. Yes. Everyone is trying to go as fast as humanly possible. They're not necessarily testing race setups and stuff like that. First two sessions, everyone is light. Yes. And it, so it is a good, genuine indicator of the speed of the driver and the speed of the car. Yeah, and next year they'll be light in Q3 as well, which will be cool because we'll have no refueling in the race. So everyone will have the same fuel at the start. So, you know, that, that'll be cool too to see the top guys, low traffic, low fuel, you know, all out just who is the fastest, kind of throw away the strategy for a second and just see who's the best, which I am looking forward to myself. But anyway, but with this qualifying, what was cool was um, it was was a a classic compromise of setup. Cars were either good in sectors one and three or slow in one and three and good in the middle sector. So you either had 
dialed back on the downforce, so you were really fast on the straights. Fast on the long straights, yeah. Or you dial it up, so you could really nail it through the mid-curvy section. And what was wild was seeing the teams work that out, actually also in free practice, but uh, in qualifying... You know, we saw the McLaren with a couple of different rear wings on it in Friday practice. Um, first with a whole huge lot of downforce, really tall rear wing, a lot taller than like the Bronze and a lot of the other cars, and they kind of cut back on that a little bit. And to see the lap time change and the kind of dynamics of how much faster can we get in the middle section, how much is that going to slow us down in the beginning and end, and what was wild was the unexpected results. I mean, we had teams... Um, that were they were coming back and saying, you know, like like and we said outside pole, Yarno truly in the Toyota, yeah, and in the press conference. So what what makes you guys so fast? He says I have no idea. Yeah, you know it just it we it just worked. They they whether they stumbled upon it or one of the aerodynamicists in the team really did a whole bunch of maths and really worked it all out. Or it, you know it seems like just kind of it all came together with the driver and the car and the setup and everything. But but let, that brings us to something very interesting. Okay, so what? What really struck me about qualifying was in Q1, how quickly the times were dropping. It seemed like every every five or ten seconds, a new guy was crossing the start finish line with another yeah, tenth or two. The leaderboard was just the, all over the place. It, you know, there was a new leader almost every every lap, and it was absolutely incredible. There was a moment where Luca Badura was fastest lap. It's true. It was earlier on. It was very early in the session, but it but, did happen. <laughs> but it did happen. Yes. And uh, the other thing that strikes me. All right, so. In Q1, uh, Giancarlo Fisichella actually had the fastest time in Q1 as well. And uh, the slowest time in Q1 was Luca Boudour. Oh, there's a surprise. But he was 1.8 seconds off of uh, Giancarlo's Fisichella, Giancarlo Fisichella's lap time. And that's like over like a four-and-a-half-mile track, too. I mean, right, that's over a four-and-a-half-mile track, less than two seconds, fastest to slowest. Now, if you... If you lob off Luca Badur and go to Romain, it becomes 1.2.5 seconds. So from 1st to 19th, covered in 1.25 seconds. That's how tight everybody was. Yeah. And uh, so you have to you have to just – you have to kind of wrap your head around that. Four and a half miles, not much more than a second. I mean, they were incredibly, incredibly close. Yeah, and so it looked like there were going to be some big runners. I mean, it was a while where, you know, is Hamilton going to make it through? Is Alonso going to make it through? But at the end of Q1, it was the usual suspects, uh, you know, that, that, that were knocked out. Luca Badur, Romain Grosjean, uh, Kaz Nakajima, and the Williams. It's kind of unfortunate for him, but it happens. Um, and then both the SCRs, with Sebastian Buemi and Jaime El um were knocked out in Q1. Q2 saw some bigger names. Yeah, um, but I think, I mean, and one thing to point out, in Q1... Hamilton was on the bubble. I, if, I'm almost positive this. Hamilton was 15th yeah. in Q1. He just barely squeaked in. And when he did his lap time with, like, I don't know, 40 seconds left on the clock or whatever, and he got his final lap time in, he was 5th. Yeah. I was just nuts. It was It's, it's pretty wild, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we lost Heike Kovalainen, Jensen Button, current championship points leader. 14th. Uh, uh, Fernando Alonso, 13th, two-time world champion. Lewis Hamilton, current reigning champion, 12th. Um, and Adrian Sutil, 11th in the uh, in the second force India. So, you know, which which leaves, you know, good job Nico Rosberg, you know, especially with his, with his teammate ending up, uh, you know, third from last. For uh, for Nico to get into the top 10 was cool. Uh, both Red Bulls, both Toyotas, um, Kimi Raikkonen, Robert Kubica, and, uh, I mean, Nick Heidfeld, third. Yeah, in, oh, I know, qualifying. absolutely incredible. Which, it was, which, like, and, he, and again, in Q3 with full fuel loads. Just over a second covering first to tenth. Yeah. With different fuel loads and everything. I mean, it's just absolutely 
uh, a crazy, crazy qualifying, and it was very fun to watch, very neat to see. Where and where this time came from from Force India, I have no idea. And here's the thing: Force India gets technical support from McLaren. Yep. Where was McLaren? I yeah, mean, it's an engine shocking. from Mercedes. Yeah, and, and so and so yeah, it's 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 pretty wild because now actually all the uh, all the all the Mercedes. Um, all, you know, there's three teams. There's obviously McLaren, um, Braun, and Force India all have Mercedes powertrains. Now each of those cars has had a pole position. You know, none of the yep. other engine constructors can say that or whatever. So, um, I mean, obviously the engine is part of it. But And, and there's also some talk about, oh, well, now that Fisichella um, has the thought of a Ferrari drive, now he's stepped up his game, which I really, really hope is not the case, and I don't think that it is. I mean, if you're a driver, that if you're leaving something on but the it, table because is, you're not that motivated... It is also a huge coincidence, and it is, uh, you have to be said... Has to be said. I mean, uh, Sutil qualified eleventh compared to Giancarlo's first. It's a pretty big difference there as well. That's true. And usually, I mean, oftentimes Jim and I point out Sutil's performance, not Fisichella's. Fisichella is the lackluster one, not Sutil. Right on. So it 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 is it is interesting. I don't know if Fisichella let that rumor get to his head or what, but uh, it, it was it was fantastic qualifying. And let's go to the race. Let's do it. Can you? We knew that Ferrari's test driver, Luca Badur, was once again replacing the injured Felipe Massa for the Belgian Grand Prix, the classic tracks tucked between the towns of Spa and Frankishire. We didn't know that the apathetic Kimi Raikkonen would also be replaced by something known only as the Iceman. But as the lights came off, the switch was obvious, as, with help from the Kurs, the Iceman muscled its way from 6th to 3rd by the entry of the stomach-tossing Au Rouge corner. Not much beyond the exit, the Ferrari driver lay behind the pole sitter, Fisichella, in second. Iceman went wide in turn five, but kept the throttle planted and didn't lose any position. Others were not so lucky. At the start, Barrichello nearly stalled his Mercedes power plant, losing more than ten places before turn one. Seconds later, Yarno truly banged up his front wing while battling for position in turn one, greatly reducing his front grip. And only five corners later, the least two experienced drivers on the grid independently took out the current world champion and the current points leader. Romain Grosjean hit the back of Jensen Button, while Aimi Alguersuari collected Lewis Hamilton. The Renault driver, Grosjean, seemed to be the catalyst, though he blamed Button for the incident. Regardless, all four drivers walked back to the pits, they done. The resulting pile of carbon fiber led to a three-lap safety car period. This gave both Yarno Trulli and Rubens Barrichello an opportunity to pit, the former for a new wing, the latter to adjust race strategy and make the most of a horrible start. Rubens managed to capitalize and capture a 7th place result, collecting two points in his neon green accented brawn. And this is despite the fact that the engine smoked more than my 79 Camaro the last two laps. Truly, however, languished in the back for several laps until the Cologne-based team pulled the plug and allowed the Italian to drive into the garage nose first. After the pace car relented the lead, the Iceman again used the curves to pounce on the race leader, making an easy pass entering the straight out of Au Rouge. For the next 39 laps, Fisichella almost magically kept pace with the Ferrari, staying within a second of the red powerhouse lap after lap. But Iceman never put a wheel wrong and kept the Force India car behind it to win the Belgian Grand Prix. In third came the hard-charging German of Sebastian Vettel, who claimed the fastest lap of the race. 
He was followed by the rejuvenated BMWs of Robert Kubica and Nick Heifeld, the first good result for the German manufacturer since the beginning of the season. The sole remaining McLaren, driven by Heki Kovalainen, crossed the line sixth. He led the aforementioned Barrichello in seventh, and an eighth spot may be Kovalainen's replacement next year, Nico Rosberg, who collected a point, finishing eighth in the Williams Toyota. Jim, WTF? Where did Force India come from here? I don't know, but you know, we we wondered. Okay, he must be light. You know, they must have just you know propped him up there. To, Not no, by much. No, he was. Uh, he had he had more um, more fuel on than Yarno. I mean, it was it, it, legitimate pace, like we talked about in, in qualifying, and legitimate race pace. I mean, uh, Giancarlo Fisichella really had it right, uh, and and actually was faster than Kimi on on most of the lap. I mean, he kept up, and he was he was clearly being held back by Kimi, except. The Kurs and Kimi's Ferrari right. just made it so hard to get around. I mean, it just made it impossible. I guess you know for uh, for Fizzy to make a move and, and make it work. I so think we, he I, did the, the smart thing rather than you know crash himself out or take them both out or trying to make a pass to just you know get the first points ever for Force India Mercedes yes. with a second place finish, which is really a good result. I mean, it would have been sweet to, to get a win, but um, it would have been amazing for them to get a win. It was absolutely the practical choice. They yes. are now ahead of Toro Rosso in the constructors' championship. They, like you said, collected eight points for a second-place finish. It was a very good drive for Fisichella, um, uh, very good things. I think that this is a, um, a trend that we've seen, though, where the Kurs hurts in qualifying and helps in the race. The Kurs-powered car, car, <laughs> cars still can't seem to get the balance quite as well as the non-Kurs-powered cars. But when the race comes and they're fast on the straight and they have another 80 horsepower... How do you get around? Yeah, them? they're not overall faster, but they're faster enough. I would say they're faster in the right places. Yes, and and having that push button to choose exactly when they put the power down is is got to be just huge. So, um, and it, it, interestingly, Renault has talked about bringing back their curve system um, to you know for some of the races later on this year, which could be interesting. I mean, at Monza, um, I feel like there's you know with with the higher speeds and there's a lot more to be said for carrying high speed for longer. You know, having some curves uh, as you as you go through that track could be could be very good. So. Um, it's it's an interesting technical story uh, as far as where that advantage is because I really think if if Force India had you know and, and it just so happened that their the race strategy were exactly the same Kimi's and and Fisichella's were both pitting the exact same lap yep. they both did two stop strategies which was awesome to watch it was which was very cool which then you know then it was down to a race of the crews if you know in case they could uh, you know do a do a Swap over in the pits, you know, get a get a pass done that way. But right. and and the no, Force India crew was tit for tat with the Ferrari. Yeah, crew. they they held up with the best of them there, a lot better than the, than the Renault crew. Yeah. Um. So it was it was really cool in that way. But I really think if they had you know worked out the strategy, um, that they had a couple laps in hand, I really think uh, Fisichella may have been able to get out in front. And whether or not he, well, I mean, he would have stayed in that. front if, with the uh, with if the there Kurs, was no safety know. car. Yeah. Maybe maybe Kimi would have caught him. Maybe not. It's tough to say. Yeah. So it was. I mean, it was very cool because there was on track action. It wasn't a strategic race, which just means only passing was done in the pits. I mean, which is interesting, but not nearly and as cool. It, it was. Even... It was very cool. Sort of just you know raw pace and cars close together, actually running together, same strategy, uh, and just going at it. It was it was very cool to watch. And, and it wasn't even tons of passing, but it was just tight, and it was close, yeah. it was tense. I mean, I mean my even heart the, was right At the very up. end of the race, uh, Fizzy finished 
uh, nine tenths of a second behind Kimi at the end of the race. Yeah. You know, so which tells you, and, and Vettel was four seconds behind him, and, and he Vettel was on a charge at the end. There was even, was. oh, is Vettel going to be able to catch up and, you know, make something happen? It was some just legitimate kind of, uh, you know, people being stuck behind other cars and then getting around and getting this pace, and, and are they going to have enough time to make the move? It was it was one of those races you just really sticks with you and really enjoy watching. But okay, so second place, that's great for Fisichella, and you know we've given him a hard time on the show more than once, and so we have to raise our glass and give a little respect. That was a brilliant drive in a car that we don't know whether it's good or not. We just know that it went fast in his hands. It was pretty incredible, but we can't ignore... Who's this Iceman guy that replaced Raikkonen? I don't know, man. I was, but he's sweet. I yeah. like this guy. It's some, uh, he woke up somehow, or, or you know, for whatever reason, maybe he's a, you know, no way, you know, no way I'm gonna have Fisichella as my teammate. I mean, I don't know what what could have motivated him. It's it's, I, I, it's just this this was a Kimi Raikkonen because I mean, certainly the, the people that have listened to our show for a while will know this. I, I'm at heart, I was a big Raikkonen fan for a long time, mm-hmm. but eventually, even I gave up. It just didn't seem like he tried that much anymore so maybe it's possible we were wrong the entire time and he just didn't have the circumstances of the equipment or maybe something is put a you know put a fire in his pants or something back a swing back in a step and i do have a theory okay i'm wondering if raikkonen did not like having masa as a teammate and now that masa is gone for, he just feels more comfortable or I guess, well, if anything, whether it's Massa or not, Kimi is the clear number one over Badur. Okay. <laughs> so yes. if, if I don't know if, you know, if it's really actually about Massa, which maybe, I mean, who knows? But, I mean, it could be, okay, he's, he's clearly the guy. I don't know if maybe more energy is being focused on him um, or if it's just, you know, hey, I don't have to play second fiddle to this Brazilian guy. Like, I'm, I'm the guy now. And, yeah, there's this other Ferrari that's going around as a, you know, Moving chicane. Although, to his credit, Luca Badur is on, on, you know, staying on the lead lap to help the safety car and whatnot. He, but I mean, he, uh, he, he just seemed like this drive today seemed to be the classic Raikkonen. He was aggressive, and certainly the curves made it easier to be aggressive. But I mean, think about the the turn one where he was up to third and he was kind of pushed wide, and instead of just giving in and ending up fourth or fifth again or getting shuffled back, he just kept his foot in it, drove right over the grass, and used. All of the runoff He road. was way wide. I was actually I just wondering made... if that was, like, legit. Because he can't cut chicanes on the inside. And he certainly, the, the route he took was a lot more distance. But, but it, 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 got him, it got him out of the traffic. Speed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it got him out of the whole accordion of traffic of all the cars in there. Yeah. And, uh, and he just kept his foot planted, like you said, and just rejoined right there. And it was, you know, of course he's not going to get a penalty. I mean, he's in a red car. But, you know, it's, it's you know, it was a, it was a ballsy move to stay in it and, and make it work and boy did he make it work I mean yeah. that was and that was good stuff so it was incredible to watch it was it was a shame to see it happen uh, at, uh, suffering from Fisichella but it was still great to see Kimi Raikkonen back and and I thought that he drove very well he never put a wheel wrong he he hit all his marks I mean he just drove flawlessly and he deserved the win yeah, and he actually seemed kind of happy about it. If you saw him, not so much when he got out of the car. That was a little bit more cameras. I'm in front of everybody. Hey, I'm again. supposed but to do a thing. In the that car, looks happy. he yeah. was definitely fist pumping and animated, and seemed to be very happy. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he deserves uh, a good pat on the bat and everybody. And it just it was nice to see him in form again. Like yeah. That. 
So what about the mixed results for the Red Bulls? I mean, we had Vettel um, doing a good job. I mean, you know, getting getting bogged down. I mean, you know, starting eighth and having to work his way through the traffic and all that. He kind of got lucky, I think, with the whole you know turn three shamazel or or whatever whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and you know made it through there and you know was held up for a while, but finally made it out and was actually making some good ground up on uh, physical and then like the last you know eight laps or so. But uh, so you know a solid solid position for Red Bull in third. But Mark Webber, man, the uh, his his team is like just, just screwing him up again. It's you know right. last last week they let him off into the you know they they released his car out of the pit lane while another car was coming right down. Was it I was a uh, BMW right? Um, yes. That uh, and and you know nearly caused a crash. I believe it was. And they, Heidfeld. I, I, I want to say it was Heidfeld, but that was yeah. a long time ago now. Um, this this week, and and so and they were reprimanded. They didn't get an actual penalty. Or they weren't disqualified or anything like that. But it was like, okay, you, you guys, got you can't do that, as it were. Yeah. Um, what happens this weekend? Exactly the same thing. I mean, it was ri- strangely similar. It was yes. really the exact same circumstances. Um, Mark Webber had to do a drive-through penalty, and of course, last time that happened, he was able to still come back and win the race, which. And his drive-through penalty last time wasn't because of pit stalls. That happened a few races ago. Uh, I think it was a German Grand Prix. That happened because right. of a, of him hitting Barrichello yes. on the front straight. But but with I mean but you know with the, the penalties and and part of you know with penalties with different track lengths and different how how tight the field is is put together and all that. Um, you know it just it got him back into the traffic and he wasn't able to make anything of it and you know he ended up ninth, um, which is actually where he started. But mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of all the it's hard work and, and you know moving forward in the early uh, early on was just set back to zero and you've got to imagine you know the Red Bull's got to change something at the team whether it's the you know the guy who's just not paying attention to enough things and obviously the lollipop guy has a lot to pay attention to it's just yes um, but I mean that, that it was not busy in the pit lane right it was it was one it was car Weber and one other car and. They should have held him back for half a second. I saw other pit stops. There were some pit stops in busy traffic, busy traffic. and I think it was uh, Alonzo had his pit stop. Everything went smoothly, and then he had to wait a second because there was traffic, and he had to wait, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and I, I don't know what it is. And it, I mean, the thing, the pit stops with Vettel were just fine. So it's yeah, just, it's just. You know, and it's kind of just the luck of whenever there's the bad luck of when there's a car happening to be coming down the pit lane. But you've got to watch out for that. So that that if I'm Mark Weber, I guess I'd be super pissed about that because it's not yeah. not his fault. He can't see this stuff. He's going when he's told to go. And Weber's and, fighting for the championship. Yeah, and and to his credit, also, I mean, Weber didn't just plow into these guys. In both cases, it was near misses, but it was misses. You know, yeah. so for for his effort, good job Weber to not cause a crash. But man, what you know, they they definitely got to look look into that because um, especially on the heels of. Um, Renault being, you know, potentially suspended for a race, you know, for a safety issue. And, oh, what, you know, what about, you know, what what could happen if a wheel knocks into somebody? It's like, well, what if, what happened? What could happen if you crash into someone in the pit lane? I mean, there's all right. the other teams and pit guys like right there. That is the you know, most dangerous place. There's to have certainly a safety issue to be to be thought of there right. as well. So, let, you know, keep that in mind, guys. But uh, I mean, speaking of pit stop uh, and and holding people, I mean, talk about Renault's pit stop with with Alonso. They had. Um, a heck of a time. It was with the left front wheel, and the the replay seemed to suggest, and and I haven't confirmed this, but uh, I think you know it looks like there was accident damage from you know the first lap, first corner, kind right. of uh, all all they getting together there. Right. And uh, so they tried to put the new wheel spat on and the wheel on, and uh, 
they were delayed getting it on. They, you know, the guy tried the gun a couple of times. It wouldn't, wouldn't it was cross threading. Something wasn't wasn't fitting on right. Right. Um, they ended up getting it on, and they released him, and he was going, and the, and you know the the uh, the wheel spat was spinning and all that, and they said, okay, this, this is wasn't working. Something screwed up here. They don't want to risk having the wheel fall off or have something bad happen. I mean, it, you know, as he, as he's pulling out of the pits, and uh, and the wheel spat starts spinning around. I mean, that was the first indication. Right. Last time, that and there was like, a problem. Jesus, here we go again. And it's but, just like, no way, is this going to happen again? But uh, but so, I think you're right. I think he had a shunt that was hard enough on that wheel that something in the actual lug itself got slightly damaged. So even though a brand new wheel and brand new brake duct was put on, it couldn't attach quite correctly. Now the wheel itself might've been just fine, but, um, uh, but it was, uh, it was, it was close enough to what had happened a couple of races ago. And Renault, uh, just getting, you know, kind of let off on probation, more or less, in a fifty thousand dollar fine. Uh, said, all right, we're not going to risk it. So they retired Alonso's car, and he lost some like fifteen, twenty seconds or something in the pits anyway. Right. That you know, it's not he. It, it, at least you know, I guess the the only silver lining is that it wasn't out of the lead, and he you know threw away a race win for this. I mean, it but was, at the time he was fighting for a podium. They it was looking like a it was looking like a very possible third place for Alonso. So it would have been. It, potential, it had the potential to be a real good result for him. Yeah. And so they definitely gave something up. Yeah. So that's – I mean, it, it sucks. It's not um, It's not a sort of a screw-up on the part of the pit guys, but uh, unfortunately accident damage on the car. But either way, it was a disappointing way to end the race. You know, and that – like you say, all the big names out of the race early on. I mean, that was um, on lap 26, so it was, uh, it was right around halfway. But uh, – you know, with with Button out, with Hamilton out, with Alonso out, it's kind of like you know. I guess people are there either can still cheer on Kimi Raikkonen, but uh, he's sort of the only you know real big star left in the race at that and point. And that's the funny thing is like all this shuffling has been going on um, around the championship lead, but Button himself has, despite all his pretty bad results compared to the first part of the season for him, he has gotten extremely lucky with how much his championship has been eaten into. Yeah, no it's one, just one or two points at a time. Yeah, I mean no one has uh has been able to capitalize on the uh, you know on, on his failures uh because it's it's been whether it's been bad luck all around or just strategical errors or whatever, but uh yeah, I mean Rubens Barrichello was the closest to uh you know to to, to making some ground up and you know he got two points this weekend, which of course is two more points, but um yeah, I mean, it's it's with Vettel's unreliable engines and, you know, Weber's with his own issues and all that. It's just, uh, it's been kind of a miracle. And it would be kind of too bad. I mean, if uh, if Button ended up winning the championship with another kind of mid-pack defensive drive, I mean, you really want to see someone go out and, and really be pushing and, and winning and, and doing really well and making passes and all that. And you kind of feel like that's what earns you the championship. I mean, technically it doesn't. Just winning the most points, which you could do with a solid string of second places, could, yeah, sure. could win it for you. Um, if only there could be some kind of medals system. I think yeah, that'd just be you so know, much just a, like a like a like a I don't know, like a different medal for a different place. Yeah, and the most and then medals has of the some most kind, something. No, man, I wish someone could think of that. Man, that'd anyway, be uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he still went, has sixteen points. That's pretty decent lead with five races to go. Uh, it's certainly not insurmountable, uh, and I think it was quite foolish. Uh, for people to think that it was insurmountable five, six races ago. But uh, it is still a healthy cushion. So if he can get back on form, and with the competition getting as tight as it is, Jensen Button could still definitely win this driver's championship. Um, 
However, Rubens Barrichello could also win this Drivers' Championship if he keeps this up. But this is something I want to point out. People were so quick to give Button all these kinds of accolades for winning all those races, which for the most part I think were deserved. But now I'm very quickly hearing all these types of reports about how Button's getting outpaced by Barrichello and Button's doing this and Button doing that. It's like I think there's so many other things that could be going on. It's just amazing to me how quick people are to start blaming Button again for the performance and um, – you know, and cheering him, I just it's so hot and cold. It's like, you know, for the Kimi Raikkonen thing is excellent. You know, he went 25 races between wins. And then he, he had the opportunity, and he was back, and he was he was aggressive, and he was prowess, and he got a brilliant win in it. And he held off a charging car behind him for most of the race. Yeah. And it's like, great, he's, he's doing really well again. And it's like, so he's not a terrible driver now. You know, there's lots of circumstances go in that there's so much behind the scenes that we never see or never really hear about the way the engineering's going, the way the team tries to play out strategies and stuff like that. So I'm not saying it's impossible that it is Button's fault or anything like that. But what I'm saying is I think people need to take a slightly longer view here and give Button an opportunity to recover here. Yeah, although it is, like you say, five races to go. It's, it's coming down to kind of do or die time. So it, it, at one point it's... You know, yeah, he should give him time, and and we don't know what's going on. But the other the other side of it is there are only so many races in the season, sure. So you can't, you know, got to get on with it at some point, and either either do something or you or you don't end up winning. And I think it'd be pretty wild if like Rubens ended up winning the championship or whatever. But who knows? I mean, it's still certainly mathematically possible, and um, it seems like for whatever reason his car is working better, or his driving's been better, or he's able to get heat in the tires better, or something. You know, Rubens has clearly got something in hand over Jensen right now. Well, I think it would be an incredible story if any any one of the if three of the top four won the championship right now. I think it'd be an incredible story. Look who you've got: Jensen Button winning the championship. That would be huge. Rubens Barrichello winning the championship. That would be quite huge. And Mark Webber winning the championship. Yeah. The only one that I don't think would be as uh, much of a story is Vettel, just because he's so young and is going to have so many more opportunities to do so. And he's so good that his chances of being in a top team and having more of these opportunities are pretty high. But all the other three of them are getting a little bit uh, long in the tooth and and uh, for them, have after, been after in, all have they've been done in with for a while. To, yes, yeah, exactly. to win the championship at this time in their career and all that. Would I think the be. least experienced among them is Weber, and he's got 133 starts or something like that. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's going to be a great championship going down the wire. I'm still rooting, rooting for Button. I think he's a great driver, and I think he's earned it. But to be honest, I'd be happy if any of those guys – well, I'd be happy if Vettel won too. I think Vettel's a great guy. I mean, but, it's a cool story in itself, yeah. And And – it's just cool to see, you know, six different winners in the last six races. And this, I guess, if I'm looking at, uh, you know, taking the long view again as far as the, the rule changes and engine freezes and aerodynamic upgrades and all the different uh, changes, I would take a close eye at what you've got going on now and, and not mess with it too much, you know. Maybe right. some, some refinement of the curves and, and how you can kind of in, integrate that. And obviously you don't want everyone to have to spend bajillions of dollars to, to be competitive, but there are lots of competitive teams right now and lots of competitive drivers and uh, – just you know, go with it. It's I, I I really like the way this is working, and yeah. of course you know the and the refueling at least that's it's the same across the board. It's going to be another compromise and setup for right. you know how fast are you early on heavy fuel, how fast are you once you get light and all that. But uh, it's you know I'm I feel like that's that's you know the formula and all the different things that go into it from the tires and and rules and teams and drivers and all that are like 
in a good nexus right now. Yeah. And so it's you know this it worked out to really be well. Uh, you know, just a great great amount of racing and, and the qualifying and everything was, was was just really cool this weekend. Right. And I think the important thing is to really just like you say build on what you've got. Don't like tear it apart and start over again. Because I definitely think there's some improvements to be made. The whole double debut double diffuser thing. I think that should be clarified and probably stricken so that we can see if we can actually improve the passing a little bit. Because that was the whole purpose of those funky wings, yeah. was to improve the passing. I think the double diffuser kind of negated a fair amount of that. Um, and uh, the the losing the curves, I think, is a little bit unfortunate. But uh, I understand, you know, we've discussed this before, the implementation of it was awful. And so it's going to suffer for the short term. Um, but, uh, the refueling thing, I don't know, could be interesting. Uh, just like you say, having different people on different fuel loads, um, is interesting to see. However, because the passing's so poor, it usually doesn't result in that much. Yeah. And, and, and even back and up putting more pressure on the tire changing could be interesting as well. Yeah. And you know how earlier in the season they were, they were using compounds, you know, two different compounds that were. Um, you know, very different going from a hard to a, to a soft skip in the medium or, or something like that and, uh, and how they've backed off on that, um, which that one you kind of go back and forth on because it was, it was cool to see more of a difference in the different tires. You know, it's kind of back to, you know, these guys are on the hards and these guys are on the soft, and now it's more about who can, you know, better avoid the tire that works worse, you know, right, whether it's, right, whether right. it's the, the hard that you can't get enough heat into or the soft that just wears out too quickly. So now it's, it's kind of... Uh, it's it's rather than the difference in performance, it's kind of like who can get their strategy right to avoid that. Um, and so they've, you know, so they backed off on that a little bit. So there's probably some some tweaking that can be done there to keep things interesting. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I guess just have a good feeling about uh, you know the way things are going, and hopefully this whole political nonsense with Renault and everything doesn't overshadow sort of just some good racing, which is uh, which is what we've had. Yes, exactly. Now with that in mind, I think we can go ahead and move on from the actual race. And talk a little bit about listener feedback. Real quickly before we do that. Oh. Um, oh. I know. It was such a sweet segue and everything. I was I was happy. You know, well, there's um, the provisional calendar has, has come out from the FIA for 2010. Ooh. And what's interesting, and it's it's a provisional calendar because there's a couple of things on it. Um, one, it does not have any mention of a Korean Grand Prix, even though there are lots of reports that, you know, the uh, Korean... Uh, track is on schedule to be ready for 2010, and um, supposedly it's been secured, right, but it's funding and all not actually stuff, on the yeah. calendar. But uh, Montreal is back on the calendar in Canada. Ah. And that is cool because we should go to that race. We should go to that race. It's like a 10-hour drive for us, but compared to all the other Formula 1 rounds, it's a lot quicker uh, to get to. and. Uh-huh. We should totally do that because uh, we've never been. We've gone to the U.S. Grand Prix, and I've been to the British Grand Prix once at Silverstone and uh, and whatnot. But, you know, we should do that. And I, I totally support Canada, and eventually U.S. in some form would be sweet to have that back on the calendar as well. So uh, I'm excited about that. All the other dates are probably going to be moved around and stuff switched around. Also, they've gone away from having the four weeks off in the summer like they had this time, I think. And it's funny, the calendar came out right after that big, long break. Maybe Ruben kind of was like, wow, that was a long time off from F1. Yes. So uh, let's try to avoid that again. Although it did make me, you know, I guess it's a, it's the, uh, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Absolutely makes the heart grow That's fonder. the one. Yeah. Um, it uh, did Could make be me... Could distance. Get, like, we were really far. We were. Me. Valencia <laughs> is not close to my house. Uh, <laughs> it, it did, you know, it was... It was more exciting maybe when it came back. Oh, hey, Formula One again. I was really interested to watch everything again. But uh, so anyway, I'm just excited about that. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll all be finalized and uh, Grand Prix and career would be sweet. But 
getting some North American support, Canada, U.S., whatever is close enough, um, I'm, I'm real excited about that. So good job, F, uh, FIA, for recognizing that North America is still, you know, exists. Listener feedback? Yeah, let's do some listener feedback. Yes! <laughs> Alrighty. I, I see every time I want to say we've had lots of good feedback as always, which which is true, but it's like I got to come up with something more clever to say. So this time, as we've ever got, before, this time we've really got some great feedback from the listeners. <laughs> um, you guys are great, though. Seriously, though, you guys are great. It is wonderful. Um, your greatness. Okay, so so Brendan, uh, you sent us the uh, the stuff from Bahrain. Um, so far, uh, he's still number one fan, big time. Um, no one else has sent us stuff. I have we've only gotten, gotten emails, we've gotten person. insightful comments, we've gotten lots of really Which cool things. Which is all well and good. But, man, stuff. Stuff is better. Stuff is great. Stuff is better than good. So, uh, yeah, I, we appreciate your email, and, uh, yeah, it's glad to know that the, you know, even through the sometimes unreliable Middle East Postal Service, uh, the stuff did still make it to us here in the, the U.S. The envelope was a bit worse for wear when it did get, <laughs> we did get here, but, uh, I mean, it was it was here, and the, and the contents inside were intact. So, uh, no, w- once again, that was absolutely fantastic of you to uh do that we we deeply deeply appreciate it and um and uh we want to uh make sure that that appreciation is heard yes. throughout the land um so we also got a comment uh from uh from pk on the uh the uh, on, the, on the blog post actually this is uh you know from the european grand prix about uh the mclaren miscue about you know is lewis you know going to come in now or not and, and how he ended up being you know arriving there without the uh, when they didn't have tires ready for him and all that um you know he's he uh has access to more you know post-race interviews and stuff than we do so uh, sure. he was saying you know after after the uh, uh after the race martin Whitmarsh martin whitmarsh chose his word extremely carefully and how it was a late call he said for lewis to come in um the, uh, and the fact that we now know the team wanted him to go around for one more lap and that Lewis said no because he was committed to the pit lane entry sheds a lot of light on the situation. Rather than being a McLaren bungle, it looks like a driver failing to listen bungle. Uh, so, you know, that's... Um, he kind of puts puts the shifts the blame a little bit back to Lewis. And he says, you know, good on the, the, the right front tire guy uh, who didn't look like he was in a panic to get the tire out of the blanket. Um, you know, he was able to sort of accommodate even if, even if Lewis is not listening or committing to the pit lane too early or whatever. Um... You know, good job on those guys, but uh, that's you know could be could be more Lewis's fault that we originally let on. But there's been so much that's come and gone and happened uh, since then that you know I'd almost forgotten about that whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I I want to read Richard Foster. I thought had a very good comment uh, with on the Facebook page. This season keeps throwing up surprises, as I saw in a replay in a reply to a blog on the BBC. If Raikkonen scores like he has in the last three races and Button does the same, Raikkonen would be in a similar position with two races to go as he was in 2007. Ooh. How would that be? Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, if, if uh, you know, Raikkonen's been on the pole, on the podium the last three races. And if he can keep that up and uh, the Red Bull guys continue to be inconsistent and they swap who's doing well, it's not always... Vettel doing well or always Weber doing well. And if the Bronze have similar trouble and if Button continues to, you know, find reasons to not get heat in the tires or whatever else is going on, uh, it, it could get very interesting at the end of 07. It very, I, I, mean, end of I, 09. <laughs> I think it will be very interesting at the end of 09. There were a lot of ifs there, and there's probably, 
some other permutations that we're not even thinking of. I mean, with the way the season has gone... Well, I mean, it's, wh- it's, where's this Force India form coming from? I mean, yeah. what if Toyota can actually <laughs> connect some things and throw... Lord knows. Yeah. I mean, there's basically the only team that hasn't had some kind of good score now is Toro Rosso. Yeah. And that's it. That's the only team that hasn't done something impressive this year. Yeah. It's, so I, it, it's it's really really crazy, and it's great. I mean, it's it's crazy in a good way in that in the sense with it uh, with never knowing who's going to win next and and how it's going to happen. I mean, so yeah, that's that's very good. I mean, it's a good a good call um, as far as how you know the, the situation Kimi could be in. I don't know how much we can count on you know Kimi continuing to be solid, the bronze continuing not to be solid, and who knows what else is going to happen in between. Is kind of my, my attitude about that. It's just you know that's that's one possibility out of very very many. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, certainly why we cannot wait to, uh, you know, continue forward. The other thing, uh, Steve Outeridge left uh, a link. Uh, Renault may quit Formula One over new cheating claim. That'd be interesting to see if they pull out of Formula One as a result of this whole thing. That's Uh, kind of what I was talking about, whether or not it, it even happened that way. Just the, the the fallout from it, even over the claim of cheating, you know that. Yeah. If even if it doesn't happen, that you know they may just say, you know what, we've gotten all this press and all this publicity, and they I guess don't believe in the whole adage of there's no such thing as bad press, so they say, all right, screw it, we're gonna just quit and and forget it, and that 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 would be a huge shame if it wasn't even an actual infringement just from the act of bringing it up. If that was really all it took, that'd be well. But the other really thing, the other side of it is, you know what. I mean, Piquet's chances of getting back into the Formula One were small, but they were there. But if he keeps going after this stuff, I mean, if this stuff gets tied back to him, whether it becomes, you know, uh, uh, if they're charged to be guilty or innocent, Renault, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can't be this vindictive if you want to stay in the sport, I think. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see where Piquet's future is going to end up in all this because he's going to become a reality TV show star at this rate. I mean, cause that's the path he's going down. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, it's very fascinating, but anyway, uh, excellent feedback as always. And, uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, also thanks to uh, Emily Hansen for the heads up on an article about this very, uh, this very topic. Hopefully we, we covered it to, uh, to your interest and liking. And also, again, uh, mm-hmm. I want to say thanks to Daniel Jewell and James Payne. Uh, and Don Holmes for continuing to keep the Facebook page active. We uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, and uh, so thank you in general. It 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 you guys are what makes the Facebook page work so well, and you guys are what makes the podcast work so well. The whole absolutely. Freaking show. So we we just it's imperative that you guys keep it up, and we really appreciate that you do. And uh, and so I just want to thank you guys for that in general. And if you haven't already, uh, be sure and visit f1show.com slash interact, which is where you can find links to Facebook and our Twitter feed. And uh, you can always uh, comment on our individual shows right there. Well, uh, and since you mentioned it, you can learn a little bit about us. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole about us thing on there. That, about uh, the hopefully, hopefully that's uh, enlightening and entertaining for everyone involved. So, uh, yeah, there's, we've done some updates to the website if you haven't checked out on in a little while, uh, f1show.com. And that brings us to trivia. 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 Okay, so last week we had what I thought was the most profound trivia question ever to be asked. Uh, and for the a cop-out, yeah. Well, what do you mean, cop-out? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the question was, see, I was on a roll. 
and you screwed up my roll. Now I got to get back on. Well, my, you were on a cop out. Now I'm out I of the called zone. you out on it. I got to get back in the zone here. All right, find I'm your zone. Zoning in once again. You're lucky. The trivia question was: What should the trivia question had been had we had a trivia question? Now you guys thought that was a joke. Ha ha! Really funny. The American made a joke, but it was an actual question because there's an answer. Oh yes, I didn't know that. Yes, and the answer is the question should have been a two-parter, and the answers to the questions should have been Flavio Briatore and Robitussin. Oh, yeah, it makes yeah. you think, doesn't it? it? Doesn't it? I think it does. Uh, so no one guessed that, unfortunately. Yeah, no one, no cokes for anyone. No cokes for anyone. Sorry, Coca-Cola, your uh, sales are going to be down. But we are back with what I would call a traditional trivia question once again in the sense that there is an actual question in the sense that it's not a cop-out yes yeah okay so the question is Kimi's win in Belgium ended a 25 uh, 25 uh, losing streak 25 race losing streak okay what was Kimi's longest losing streak and what wind ended that streak ooh yeah was this his longest or not I did. That's, well, that's that, going to take that's some. Not, that's not in there. Is that's going to take some looking into. Huh? That's going to take a tiny bit of looking into. Alrighty. All right. So the answer to that will be on the next podcast. But uh, please feel free to uh, send in any uh, guesses that you have. Put them on the Facebook page, and we'll uh, tell you if you're right or not next time by. But uh, on to the good stuff. Yeah. This week's predictions. Okay, so last time we had some we had some some great uh, great results here, especially on my side of the table. <laughs> well, Jim, you went ahead and predicted Jensen Button on the pole. Oh, the that didn't work. And Lewis Hamilton to win the oh, race. Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> no, but the best thing is your prediction for thirteenth. Oh, who was that? Fisichella. Oh, he's never any good. Right? <laughs> that car is never going to go anywhere. <laughs> why, do, why do we even do predict this season? With, we, I mean, after all we've talked about with how close it is and how we never know, why do we even do predictions? You couldn't. I, I don't think you could have gotten it worse. I'm not sure. I mean, I that's pretty far off. I should get a coke, get like a reverse, <laughs> like a sympathy coke, backwards, coke. like a toilet bowl coke. I think Ugh. that's Coke Zero. I don't think I want that. Yeah, I don't think you want that either. However, how'd you do? I, I okay, okay. I put Vettel, Sebastian Vettel on pole. Wait, is it time for trivia now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just messing you up. All right. You had Vettel on pole. But I also had Sebastian Vettel to win, and he was on the podium. And I had Luca Badur for 13th, and he was 14th. It's like you're psychic. I win a Coke! Yeah. <sighs> yay, everybody, yay, woo! I owned you on that one. That was fantastic. So yay for me. I got I to gotta give you that. There's, basking. I know. I'm just basking There's, right now. Just keep mm. basking because, you know, mm. Fitzy on 13th. It's cold is, outside, but yeah. it's warm right here. Yeah. yeah. Basking in the warm glow of yeah, the Yeah, basking that. Rubbing myself. Okay. All right. Now. Stop basking. <laughs> no more basking. We have to move on. Looking forward. We have to soldier on despite our pathetic attempts and continue to predict what's going to happen in Monza. Okay. Kaz Nakajima, pull and win. <laughs> I don't know. It could happen. <laughs> I don't know. 
don't. See, that's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to put it in there. No, he's not going to win. Okay, it's so not, maybe no. do you want him on 13th? Oh, it's Monza. Oh, you think you think Kimi can can fly the Ferrari flag? And, well, here's and, the thing. Uh, Barrichello is feeling good about bronze chances. I think it's a good bronze car track. So I'll give you that tidbit before you ooh, predict. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. 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 Hmm. But, well, but there's two brown cards, right? I mean, we don't, we don't predict true. the car or the team that wins. We predict the driver. There's Rubens and then some backup guy. And some English bloke. I don't know. Yeah. Um, is Lewis the drives for that team? No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it, it's, it's – Well, first of all, just about anyone can do well these days. I mean – yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like I feel like there's going to be a real push from Ferrari to do well. So I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put well, but they got the curves though; they don't qualify so well. Dude, Timo <laughs> Glock for pole. I don't, dude. I don't know. I'm, I'm serious. Was second. I I know that's the thing. Although Glock wasn't. Um, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I'm going to put. I'm actually going to say Rubens gets the pole. Barrichello. Yeah, pole. they're going to do a nice, uh, nice. You know, no curves. Pole, pole run. Gotcha. Um, and then for the Who's win. going to win the race? Who's going to win the race? Who's going to go? Kimi's going to go two in a row. Raikkonen, two in a row. He's Look at do that. It. Winning favor with uh, with uh, Jim Lau. I'm so Just fickle like with my predictions. It's that like, is quite it's like something. I've never right anyway. So let, not? Me, let me ask you a question. Who's going to be on 13th? And I don't know if you can say Badur because he might not even be in the car. Yeah, ooh, ooh. Giancarlo Fisichella in a Ferrari. No. <laughs> That'd be a heck of a prediction if I got that right, though. That would be a heck of a... That would be Coke-worthy. Except that I wouldn't do that because that's not my prediction. Um, Akaz Nakajima. 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 So you are going with Nakajima. I'm knocking him. Yeah. What about right. you? Now that I've fumbled now through that you've some exposed yourself <laughs> to the world of predictions, I... Yeah. I, it's, I agree with you that it's tough. However... Barrichello is on a roll, and he um, he is confident, and that makes me lean towards him. Lewis Hamilton. Alrighty, he is going to get pole at Monza. He is going to throw it in the faces of the Reds, and say, "Screw you! I have Mercedes power, and the Mercedes is the best engine, according to some." He's going to say, I, I, I'm on pole position. I mean, because here's the thing. All right, Mercedes Mercedes is thought to have the strongest power plant in the F1 uh, paddock right now. And this is a very engine-heavy track. They're full throttle, something like 70-plus percent of the time at Monza. So, you know who else has Mercedes power? So we Rubens both, Barrichello. Yeah, so we're both running Mercedes power here. My guy also has Kurs. And it is a lot of straight lines. I don't know maybe if that'll that'll do the trick or not. Uh, however, it's totally going to be Kazunakaji. <laughs> <laughs> so who's going to win the race, though? I think I almost say a curse curse powered car has to win the race, and it's not going to be Kovalainen. <laughs> Let's just put that right and out there. It's not, and it's not going to be Badur or whoever. It's not going to be It's not going to so be Marc Genet. So it's between Raikkonen and Hamilton for me. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna. It's gonna be. Oh, we're doing the Reichen same. Raikkonen in, oh, for the win. I we are agreeing with each other. Okay. However, in a spat of irony, I am gonna put Fisichella in thirteenth. Ooh. I don't think this is gonna carry over. I don't know why. I don't think this is gonna carry over. But I don't think Force India is gonna be fast again at Monza. All right. So thirteenth. There it is. There you go. Moving on. Done. In the books. Alrighty. Which I think. 
gives us time. Uh, we've got a couple weeks. We've got well, one week off. Monza's in two weeks. Um, we'll see what we can do about bringing you a show uh, at Yeah, that's a, that's a little sticky. Yeah. Someone's um, going to be in Wisconsin. We'll do it. Yeah. Sorry. Again, with the weddings. It's wedding season. You are, you're you're at my, the age where life. all your friends get married, yeah. and I apologize to you for that. I yeah, well, at least you're, you. you're at the age where all your friends are having babies. So I know. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? But you don't have to go to Wisconsin for babies. No, usually you don't. So... Anyway, uh, we'll do what we can for you. Uh, in the yeah, meantime, so I guess I guess the the answer that so we might be bringing you a show a little bit on the late side. It's possible that I'll bring it uh, to to you guys on my own again. We haven't exactly sorted out the details there, but some kind of show will come sometime. And then after that, we're feeling more confident that we'll be able to hit it on Sundays again and 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 bring it the way we want to bring it. There you go. Yes. After that, yeah, we should be clean clean sailing. So um, in the meantime, catch up with us at f1show.com slash interact, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those are great things. Uh, I am Jim Lau. We'll talk to you later. And I'm Rob Warder. Go to the f1show.com. <laughs>